This morning we'll be reading the Easter story from the Gospel of John. John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18. This is found on page 882 in your pew Bible, if you'd like to follow along. But before we read that, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, John chapter 20, beginning with the first verse. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. And then Peter and the other disciple set out and went toward the tomb. The two were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciples who reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples returned to their homes. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she, as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been, lying, one at the head and, and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they've laid him. When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you looking for? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabuni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am, sin I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and to your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. During the season of Lent, I have been reading a book by Barbara Brown Taylor called Learning to Walk in the Dark. It's a wonderful little book. It's a, a spirituality book that reminds us of how we've all been taught to fear the dark, maybe even taught that, that God is absent in the dark, although nothing could be further from the truth. She begins the book by telling us that she has moved out of the city with big bright lights and lots of noise, moved out to a farm where it's quiet and peaceful, where she can hear the crickets chirping and she can see the stars in the sky. 
While she's at this farm, she decides that maybe some of her city friends might like to come out to the farm and, and see what it's like out there, the peaceful farm, the beautiful farm with all of her animals. She invites a friend of hers and her elementary daughter, Anna, to come out to the farm because she thinks Anna might like the animals too. Anna comes out for the weekend along with her mother, and, and Barbara tells Anna, why don't we go and, and see some of the animals, and you can help me tend some of the animals. In fact, I need to clean the chicken coop, so why don't you help me move the chickens from one cage to another so that I can clean it. Anna agreed with all of these things, but there was just one catch. Any farmer will tell you that when you're going to move the chickens, it is best to do it at night. You see, during the day, chickens are alert. Alert. They squawk and they squeak and they peck and they claw. They're a handful during the day, but at night they're subdued. And so they waited for night to fall. Anna put her jacket on and they started heading out the front door, heading down to the chicken coop. And on the way out, Barbara noticed that the moonlight was out. And so she took the flashlight that she had and turned it off and said, we'll just walk in the moonlight. But as soon as she turned off her flashlight, Anna froze. She said, I can't see anything. Well, Barbara kept trudging on. She said, oh, your eyes will adjust. Just follow my voice. You'll, you'll find your way. And she kept trudging on to the, to the chicken coop. But when Barbara got there, she turned around and realized Anna had not followed her. She flipped that flashlight back on and followed her way back up the path to find Anna. And there she was in the place where she left her sobbing with tears in her eyes, afraid of the dark, paralyzed by the darkness around her. And it's then that Barbara Brown Taylor realized that it takes time to learn to see in the dark. I wonder if Mary Magdalene had the same problem on that first Easter morning. Scripture tells us it was dark, dark out there in the world, but I dare say it was dark in her heart too. Good Friday had just happened. Jesus Christ was dead. She had thought evil had won, and she didn't know what was going to happen now. She stumbled through the darkness to the tomb, and only to discover there that the tomb was empty, that the stone was rolled away. She had to be terrified. She ran back to get some help from the other disciples. They came and inspected it, but after seeing it, they just went back to the safety of their homes. But Mary stood there paralyzed in the darkness. And that's when she bumped into that gardener, that gardener who asked her a very important question, who are you looking for? And she didn't recognize him. She didn't see the Lord right there in front of her face. Now, I want to give Mary some credit here. This seems to be a theme amongst all of the, the resurrection stories and the appearance stories of Jesus with all of the disciples. Every time Jesus appears to the disciples, at first they don't seem to be able to recognize him. It's like their eyes are veiled. It's like they're standing there in the dark and can't see him. Maybe that's what was happening with Mary. Maybe there were tears filling her eyes. Maybe it was just too dark to see but she did not recognize Jesus right in front of her. But then that gardener said something that changed everything. He called her by name, Mary, and she recognized him. 
She realized this was somebody who knows my name, somebody who knows me, somebody who I have been on a journey with, somebody who has compassion for me and loves me. This is a a person who knows me by name. This is Jesus, my teacher. And right there in the darkness, the veil is pulled from her eyes and she can see. She can see in the dark. I think all of us at one time or another have wanted God to call us by name, to call out to us in the darkness and to remind us in those dark days that we are not alone. It's a powerful thing to hear your name called. Even when we're young children and our teacher calls us by name, it jolts you up right in your seat. Or when your friends are picking teams for kickball or basketball and they call you by name, it feels good to hear your name called. There's something powerful about hearing your name called. We see it all, all the time in Scripture, too, when God tells the human beings to name all the animals. He, yes, gives them power over them, but also gives them the responsibility to care for them because they know their names. And when Moses is up on the mountaintop talking to that burning bush, Moses asks God, God, what is your name? And God tells him, I am that I am. He tells Moses his name, and Moses can call on him. This is not a far-off God, but a God, I know God's name. God's right here with me. God has a relationship with me because I know God's name, and God knows mine. I think all of us, from time to time, when we are going through trials in our lives, when we're going through those dark places in our world, we wish that God would just call out to us and remind us that God is there, remind us that we're not alone. I told this story a couple years ago at a sunrise service here in town. It's a story that one of my pastors, Ed Anderson, told to me years ago. When he was growing up uh, during the Depression, he grew up in North Carolina, and during that time when people were hurting in his neighborhood, all the neighbors banded together to try to help each other out and One day, one of his friends up the street got sick, or one of his neighbors got sick, and so all the neighbors pulled together. Even though Ede was a little boy, he wanted to do something. He wanted to help, and so his father told him, why don't you go take care of all of our neighbors' animals, their cows and their horses. Let them out into the pasture during the day and let them in at night. Ede loved this idea because he loved animals, but there was just one problem. Between Ede's house and his neighbor's house, all the way up the street, there was a little wooden shack. And Ede knew that shack was haunted. He was sure. And he knew if he could get past it by day and get back before the night fell, he knew he would be safe. But if he could, had to walk past it at night, ooh, it was dangerous because he couldn't see in the dark. Well, as the story goes, sure enough, one day he was late coming home from school. He couldn't get there in time. He tried to get all the animals rassled up and back into the pen from the pasture. And as he was doing that, the sun was slowly sinking down and it was pitch black dark. He started walking back down the road and as he got to that shack, he knew it was haunted. And sure enough, he looked in and he saw what he knew was a ghost looking at him out the window. He took off running down the street, but before he could get too far ahead of him, he heard something in front of him, out there in the darkness that he couldn't see, something rustling in the bushes, and so he froze, paralyzed in the darkness with a ghost behind him and the unknown in front of him. Right then, he prayed to God, asking God to help him in that moment. 
And sure enough, in that moment, he heard a voice, a voice in the unknown in front of him that said, Ede, is that you? It's your father. We'll talk about salvation. He jumped for joy. He ran into the darkness and found his father there waiting for him. He had come up the street looking for him and wrapped his arms around him. And he told, he told him all about the ghost up at the shack. And so they walked up the street to find out what that ghost was. Turns out it was an old billy goat that had wandered into the shack. And they walked back home, hand in hand, arm in arm, right, by, right together in the darkness, knowing that neither one of them were alone. We all want that. We all want to hear God calling to us, God calling out our name, reminding us in the darkness that we're not alone. Well, today, on Easter Day, God is calling your name. God is reminding you that you are God's precious child. God is calling out to you and telling you that God loves you, that God knows you, God knows you by name, and God cares for you as God's precious child. Just like God called out to Mary, God is calling out to you, saying you belong. But now pay attention here. Because you see, when God calls out to Mary, He doesn't just call out to her and call her by name. He finds her in the darkness, but He doesn't leave her there. When He calls her by name, something incredible happens. Her eyes are opened. And she can see in the dark. She can see what she could not see before. She could see the risen Christ right in front of her face. And when God calls our name, God does the same to us. God opens our eyes and gives us these Easter eyes where we can see those things in the world around us that we are missing when we're afraid of the dark. There's lots of things we're missing. I know we see things going on in the world around us. We see problems every single day. You just have to turn on the news and you can see all the pain and the suffering that we see, not only in our community, but in our country and in our world. We're not missing those things. We're seeing those problems. But what God wants us to see is something different. Not problems, but people. Not others, but God's children. Because guess what? Those people who are out there in the world today, who are not sitting in here on Sunday morning, they want the same thing that you and I want. They want to know that there's someone out there who loves them. Someone out there who values them. Someone out there who knows them by name. Who can call them by name and say, you matter to me. Had some experience with this a few years back. I think I might have told y'all about this experience. We've got some folks here in our church who are working on building a, a stronger relationship with Hope Community, which is one of our shelters here in town. It's a wonderful place where families get to stay together, in fact. Mothers and children can stay together and live together. I went and toured it a few years back, and uh, I was impressed by all the wonderful facilities that they had. But while I was there, standing in front of the, the front desk, a, a family came in, a family that was moving in to Hope Community to take shelter there. They walked in with all their belongings in plastic bags and set them right down in front of the desk, told the people who they were, told them who, that they were here to, to move in, and I think they had had a rough day. 
They didn't have smiles on their faces. They had been through a lot. I was a little bit embarrassed myself. I gave them my polite nod, but I didn't want to embarrass them, so I just stared at the ceiling, didn't want to look them in the eye. But then this wonderful woman came out from the back. Her name was Angie, and she did the exact opposite. She looked right at them, threw her arms open wide, and said, Welcome home. We're so glad that you're here. We've been waiting for you, in fact. There's food in the back. We've already started eating dinner, but come and have some. I'll get some volunteers, and we'll take your bags to your room, and you can just relax. You're home. You're safe now. She didn't treat them like strangers. She didn't treat them like homeless. She treated them almost like family who had come home after being away for the holidays. She knew their names, treated them like they mattered, treated them like they were loved. And God gives us those Easter eyes. We're called to see people, to see them and know them and love them, not as problems but as people. People who are loved and valued by God, just like Angie did. She showed them this incredible hospitality because they weren't problems. They were people. Some of you know, I think I've told you before, that the Benedictine monks, they define hospitality as seeing Jesus Christ in the other. Seeing Christ in your neighbor. Seeing Christ in another person. And that's what Jesus Christ calls us to do when we are, receive those Easter eyes, to look out there in the world, to see those people around us, and not just see someone, but to see the face of Jesus, to see them as someone that God values, see them as someone that God loves, see them as someone who has something to offer us, a relationship. And so when we see those people in need around us in the world, we're not just called to see anybody. We're called to see somebody. We're called to see Jesus Christ looking back at us. We see children who go to school every day because they really, that's the only place they can get breakfast in the morning. We're called to look at them and see the face of Jesus. And we see people around us who are in danger or hurting or afraid because of prejudice and racism. We're called to see the face of Jesus. When we see people around us who are our enemies, who drive us nuts, we are called to see the face of Jesus. Because Jesus Christ has called them by name, created them, loved them as God's precious children. God knows them. And we have to trust that if God knows them, we're called to know them too. I have to tell you something, over the years that I've started working in the church, I have lost all of my Easter traditions. Well, there's one tradition, I take an afternoon nap, and I'm looking forward to that, by the way. <laughs> but there's one tradition that I have lost that I wish I could recapture. When I was a teenager, every now and then we'd go to Waycross to visit my grandmother, and we had a tradition that we would go out to the cemetery to see my grandfather's grave while we were there. We would take an Easter lily with us. She would, I would drive the car, and she would direct me through the streets of Waycross, direct me out to that cemetery, and when we would get there, she would direct me through the cemetery so that we could find my grandfather's grave. We would get out, and I would walk, and I would see the tombstone there, and I would see his name, Ernest Clayton, that name that meant so much to me. My grandmother would set that Easter lily down, and we'd sit and talk for a few minutes, sharing a few memories, but after a few moments we'd both get quiet. She would 
have her own conversation with my grandfather while I walked away and looked at some of those other tombstones around his. Those tombstones didn't really mean much to me. I didn't know any of those names. I just saw them as works of art, really, in some cases. But my grandmother knew those names. After she finished her conversation, she would come over to me and she would point to a few of them and say, these two tombstones right behind your grandfather, that was a young high school couple. They were boyfriend and girlfriend, and they got in a terrible accident, and so their parents buried them right there together. The couple down over there, that's the doctor that your dad and your aunts went to when they were babies. Just a couple of more rows over, there was another one that was a, a woman in her church who, who played bridge with her who had died with cancer. She knew every single name. They weren't just tombstones to her. They were names. They were people. People she loved. People she valued. People that deserved to be loved. Deserved to be valued. God knew those names too. God knows those names. God knows your name. God knows my name. God knows the name of all of you watching at home. God knows the names of your friends and your family. But even more so, God knows the names of those people who slept at Lake Ella last night. God knows the names of the people who are in the hospital right now who can't celebrate Easter with us. God knows the names of the people who are in our prisons. God knows the names of the people who are looking for homes. God knows the names of those people in Ukraine and Russia who are fighting through a war. God knows their names and calls out to them. God calls out to them, calling them by name, telling them God loves them with an unimaginable love. And we as God's people, with Easter eyes, we're called to go out and have compassion for them too, to look at them and not see enemies, but to see the face of Christ. And so my question for you today is who do you see who do you see when you look at your friends and you look at your family? Who do you see when you look at the people you work with or when you look at their neighbors around you? Who do you see when you look at your enemies? Or maybe even better yet, who do you see when you look in the mirror? The answer to that question all depends on whether you can see in the dark. It all depends on who you are looking for to the glory of God.